Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. With us, of course, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, and coming back uh, to join us is Tim Williams from up in Boston because they have a football team up there that uh, we want to chat about. Anyway, NFL playoffs, boys, this week, um, there was some spitting of the bit that put um, that puts the um, Detroit Lions into the mix. And so we have a very interesting uh, wild card weekend. Uh, Mr. Kaufman. What do you think? Your thoughts on on this particular NFL Final Four for the first week? Well, gentlemen, I, I say without much fear of uh, pushback that uh, the most intriguing matchup uh, is the final matchup of the weekend, uh, which is your New York Giants as a wild card going into Green Bay to play uh, a very hot Aaron Rodgers. And, guys, we know based on experience, and Mr. Tim Williams uh, will vouch for this, that when the Giants get in the postseason with Eli Manning, you never count them out. They have won at Lambeau uh, with Manning. They have beaten Brady twice in the Super Bowl with Manning. Joe, their defense is a lot better than anybody thought it would be. Uh, I got to give the Giants a fighting chance, Joe, to, to go into Lambeau and, uh, and steal one. Oh, I think it's more than a fighting chance. Uh, everybody's in love with the Packers right now, and, and I I understand that. But if the Giants, with the way they play defense, and the and as as you correctly pointed out, Ira, their history. Uh, of coming into these playoffs as a wild card, um, you know, I, I, I think they have more than a puncher's chance right now. And they're playing with a lot of confidence. I, I think you can almost use Monday's big controversy of the players going down to Odell Beckham Jr. and a couple other Giants players going down to Miami to party as just a sign of how confident they are in their team and how much they're not afraid of the spotlight. That's going to be important, and it's been important in all these Giants runs that Ira alluded to when he mentioned beating the Patriots twice. One thing they really have going for them now and they had going for them then is the ability to get to the passer. And if you can get through the offensive line and get into the off- get into the backfield, then you have a chance against anybody. That's always been true in football, and it always will be. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, no quarterback's very good from his back. So if the if the Giants can get to Aaron Rodgers, they can beat the Packers. If they can get through the offensive lines, they can beat anybody. And looking at the NFC, they might be about the only team that can really put that fear into the quarterback besides Seattle. And and guys, uh, let's not let's not forget they beat Dallas twice, Joe. So Going forward, you know, uh, they would not be intimidated uh, going into uh, Jerry's home there. Uh, we know that for a fact. Ira, well, what about uh, the – go ahead, Joe. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be intimidated in the playoffs. If, if you're an NFL team and you're in the playoffs, you, you know, you believe you belong there. Uh, but, but, you know, Ira, you make the great point. Um Giants might be a wild card, but they have two wins over the best team in the NFC. And so, yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that, that the Giants-Packers is going to be the, the best game of the weekend. Um, but, uh, you know, going into Lambeau and, you know, in the playoffs and cold weather and all that stuff, I mean, that's, that's magnificent to watch. But uh, – the Giants uh, will definitely walk in saying, you know, with a swagger and saying, we belong here and 
who's Aaron Rodgers. We're not afraid of this guy. You know, uh, Jim, I don't think Seattle uh, – well, tell me what you guys think. I, I, I don't think they're quite as good as they've been uh, the last few years. Uh, but the, the games in Seattle with Detroit – if that game was at Ford Field, guys, I, I think I'd pick the Lions. Uh, but it's a tall order winning in Seattle. I, I still – I'm not overly impressed with the Seahawks. Some, something about them tells me uh, they're, they're not quite what, they, what they're cracked up to be. I, I think it's an even game. I really do. Um, the noise factor, and we've all – you know, we all know the, the noise factor there is pretty – pretty intense but I don't know I think uh, Matthew Stafford has has proven that he's had some pretty good wins here and in, in you know at the end and I think these are probably the I'm gonna say it they're the two weakest teams I think of in the playoffs on the NFC side well, on the no, NFC no side yes I, I would agree yeah. with you uh, but looking at that uh over at over at the AFC with the uh, the matchup with the uh, Raiders and Texans, that's a game not even a mother would want to watch. Uh, that you know, it's too bad with too bad's what happened with the Raiders with Derek Carr. I think uh, that they would have been a legitimate threat to to beat the uh, the Patriots because they they had it going. But now it's just like whoever whoever comes out of that game. Uh, and the Texans are now casting their lot with Brock Osweiler. Good luck there, boys. Um, it's going to be uh, – they'll win – whoever wins that game uh, can start packing for their vacation because they'll, they'll only have a week to go at that point till their yeah, season's yeah, over. Could it have worked out any better for the Patriots, Tim? I mean, look at this. Uh, my Chiefs, who, who lucked into the number two spot because Carr got hurt. I understand that. Um, but they did beat Oakland twice during the regular season. I don't think they have to apologize. Uh, you know, the Chiefs will probably be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, Timothy, in, in round two, uh, while the Pats, uh, as Joe points out, get, gets the Texans' uh, Raiders winner. Neither team has a quarterback. So, you know, here are the Patriots playing in the AFC title game. And... I think the only chance the Chiefs have uh, is that X factor with Tyreek Hill. Jim, that guy is something. You watch him and you say, he is by far the fastest man in football. And they know how to use him with mm-hmm. Andy Reid. Um, Tim, you tell me. I, I think, having said that, I, I think the Patriots would rather play the Chiefs than, uh, than Pittsburgh because of the quarterback. Yeah, I, I agree. The the Chiefs are the better matchup for the Patriots because as as good as Tyreek Hill can be, as explosive as he is, and he's right now the eminent game changer in the in the AFC. But he's also one player, and he would be coming into New England, a team coached by Bill Belichick. There's almost no way I can envision one player that has that skill set. Not I can I can't imagine Belichick not preparing for that and taking him out of the game and making the Chiefs beat the Patriots with Alex Smith not throwing the ball very deep, and I think Alex Smith gets a little too much flack sometimes for not being the Superman first overall pick kind of quarterback people might have wanted him to be, but if he can't throw downfield, it's going to be a team that gets three points against a team that gets seven every time they have the ball. And as much as I like Bob Sutton's defense, I don't think that's a very good matchup for the chiefs going on the road to play the Patriots, but the Steelers are a little bit more of a complete team. Roethlisberger, when he's playing well, he's certainly one of the better quarterbacks in the league and he's tough to bring down. They have for the first time, they have Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger healthy coming into the playoffs that's a team that can really threaten you on offense. And if their defense can play the way they've been playing, that's a team that could possibly beat the Patriots, especially without Gronkowski. You know, I, I, you talk about Gronkowski being out, and, and obviously, you know, you want him in there if you're the Patriots. But Martellus Bennett's not, not, not chopped liver there, man. 
I mean, he's, he is, he has played at a high level and really just shows um, astute planning by the Patriots organization to go ahead and sign him uh, last in, in the off season last year, just on the off chance that the oft injured uh, Gronk got hurt, which he did. And there you go. He steps right in and the Patriots don't miss a beat. It's that's that. That is, if if I'm trying to to build an NFL team, I want to go just study the whole Patriot mindset and and figure out how they do it because, you know, you can talk about well they got Tom Brady and they got this and they got that. What they've got is an organization that is about five laps ahead of the field in the NFL. It's um, their sustained excellence is just unbelievable, un, unprecedented in this era of parity in the NFL. You know, Joe, I think, you're right. Joe, Joe's right, Jim. You know, mm-hmm. and I look at a current, you know, they've done it with so many guys, the Corey Dillons of the world. Mm-hmm. They resurrected Randy Moss. He went crazy in 2000. The Garrett Blunt. Uh, and I'm going to look at what Garrett Blunt. Absolutely. Uh, nobody wanted this guy. Now, look, I was around him in Tampa. Between him and Tlaib, you know, you had two knuckleheads. Um mm-hmm. And of course, of course, Tlaib ended up on New England, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from there. And Legarrette Blunt, Tim, am I am I wrong? But did he have 19 touchdowns this year? Um, absolutely stunning, absolutely believable that Legarrette Blunt could be the lead back on a team that that is favored to win the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. I honestly think, guys, that uh, the Steelers are the only team that could actually beat New England. Um, I don't know Pittsburgh's defense. I don't know if Pittsburgh's defense is good enough to uh, to hold Brady under thirty points uh, at Foxborough. I don't know that. Yeah, that's a tall order. I I would say among the AFC opponents, Pittsburgh has the best shot. Just again because they have their big three on offense, all healthy and ready to go, and that makes them a very explosive team. And their defense has shown some flashes of some really good stuff, although not quite where they should be and not quite where the best defenses in the league are. I think they have the best shot in the AFC, but I do see a number of teams in the NFC that would be a very difficult matchup for the Patriots, including the Cowboys, including the Seattle Seahawks, because even though they're missing Earl Thomas, and that certainly does, as you pointed out earlier, but it made the Seahawks less of a team. But they still have Michael Bennett and they still have that defensive line. And if you can get through to the quarterback, the Patriots have shown in this entire Brady Belichick era that that's their weakness. If you can put Tom Brady on his back, you can beat the Patriots. That's how the Giants did it twice. That's how the Giants could do it again if they were to get that far. It's how Seattle could do it. And I could see Dallas just holding their offensive line and holding the Patriots where they can't get to Prescott and they can't stop Elliott. So I think there are a number of matchups that should the Patriots make the Super Bowl are a lot more difficult than they would face in the AFC. Joe, what do you think? You know, <laughs> uh, I agree with that. I agree with the logic, but let's, let's fast forward here. Um, we know how this is going to play out. We know that in the AFC, the Patriots are going to be in the Super Bowl. That's that's it. And I don't I don't see a team, uh, including Pittsburgh, that is on their level at this point. So, the to me, the big argument comes out of of the NFC. We've talked a lot about the Giants here, boys, but the best team in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys and. Yeah, they're going to start the rookie quarterback, and everybody's like having heart palpitations over that. Um, but they've also got that other guy sitting on the bench ready to come in, and that was um, a kind of a master stroke, getting Romo a little game action and just adding another wrinkle for opponents to, to think about as uh, as they prepare to, to, to play the Cowboys, whoever they wind up playing. And uh, – to me, Dallas is, is is still 
the team to beat in the NFC. And I think we're going to wind up with a uh, a Dallas New England Super Bowl. I really do. Ira, you agree? Uh, you know the team nobody's talking about, guys, uh, is the Atlanta Falcons, and. I kind of underrated them, no question. I didn't think they were very good coming into the season. I just filled out my uh, Associated Press uh, All-Pro ballot, guys. Um, they're not going to announce it till Friday, but I'm going to give you a sneak preview. Um, I voted for Matt Ryan as my quarterback, Tim. And uh, before you drop the phone uh, about Tom Brady, uh, I think Ryan's been as good as Brady and didn't miss a quarter of the season. I also named him my MVP. Guys, the Falcons scored over 500 points this year. They're the only team that did that, other than Julio Jones, correct me if I'm wrong, but Matt Ryan is not surrounded by uh, the Levy and Bells of the world. Um, fantastic job. That's why Kyle Shanahan's gonna get one of these jobs that's open. Matt Ryan, spectacular. Um, and their defense is adequate. Um, I think Atlanta's dangerous, guys. Uh, even going into uh, Arlington, Texas, they put up a lot of points, Atlanta. And they will test any defense. You know who Atlanta's wide receivers coach is right now? Atlanta's wide receivers coach. All right, what do we got? Raheem Morris. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're He's absolutely right. And and I hope he gets another shot someday. He was promoted a little bit above his station, a little too fast in the NFL. He got it too much too soon, as a lot of coaches do. But, I, you know, I think he's done a good job as an assistant. He certainly had to go back all the way up the ladder, starting back at the bottom in Washington as a DB right. coach. Once Right after he lost his job in Tampa Bay, he – has been with Atlanta in various capacities. Last year, he was part of the defensive staff. Now he's the wide receivers coach. I think he's done a fantastic job. Atlanta's offense is amazing. There's there's no doubting that. And by the way, I'll agree with you. Matt Ryan is my pick for MVP as well. He would be the quarterback on my list if I had a vote in the all-pro matters. Tom Brady's great. He's had the best career of any quarterback going by now by far. But if we're going by who's having the best season, it's Matt Ryan. It's, and it's hardly even all that close. As good as Brady's been, he's been excellent. The Patriots did go 3-1 and one without him. I can't imagine Atlanta going 3-1 and one in any four-game stretch this season with their backup quarterback. And that well said. says a lot about well Ryan. Said. So I, I think you know their that. offense is something to be contended with, but their defense kind of they could they could end up in a shootout with almost anybody. You know, uh, I wanted to to add one small point to the uh, Raheem Morris uh, discussion. Since the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl in the 2002 season by going 12 and four in a regular season, um, they have had only two seasons. And in, in, uh, since then, where they won double-digit games. One was in 2005, where they won 11. John Gruden was the coach. And one of them was in 2010 with a guy named Raheem Morris as the coach when they won 10 games, 10 and 6, missed out uh, on, on a playoff spot in the tiebreaker. And uh, the wheels kind of fell off the next season, and uh, that ushered in the Greg Schiano era. But I, I agree with you that Raheem probably should have another shot uh, at some point. He is a, he is a bright guy. Uh, he uh, now understands the difference uh, in what a, you know, between a position coach and a head man. And you know what? Um, I hope he gets it. Uh, he, he's a good guy. Uh, what happened to him with the Bucks was not all of his fault. Now, Ira, we we watched that horrible, miserable 2011 season, and the team did quit on him, and uh, it they they didn't even show up the last half of the season. But you know that was what six years ago, and uh, he's uh, 
He's he's been around the block a few times since then, and I hope he does get another shot. You're right, Joe. Uh, that team was four and two, Jim. Four and two coming off a ten win season, and they then proceeded to lose their final ten games. And Joe's right. You don't like to use the word quit. It's probably the worst word in sports. But they quit. They did quit. They were not competitive uh, in the least down the stretch, and the Glazers had uh, no choice but to fire uh, Ray Morris. Uh, but I'll say this, Jim. It's it's a little unusual for a guy with a total pedigree on defense to end up being a wide receiver coach. And as Tim points out, he, he's done a heck of a job in Atlanta. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, any quick uh, final thoughts on the NFL before we make that turn to um, to college football? Any uh, projections on who might get some of these coaching jobs that are out there? Uh, Mike, Mike Smith's name is out there, guys. Uh, I don't think he's a proper fit necessarily in, in Jacksonville or Los Angeles because I think priority one is getting those quarterbacks straightened out. Uh, young quarterbacks, and, and that's not Smith's forte. Although you could argue he did a nice job with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, but he had a lot of help there. Uh, that's where I think, Tim, the Josh McDaniels and the Kyle Shanahan's are, are going to end up. Uh, now, Mike Smith's going out to San Diego for an interview. That might be a, a better spot for him. But, Joe, Mike Smith's one of the good guys in this league. And the more you look at his resume in Atlanta, Joe, the more you realize he, he might be the most qualified candidate uh, out there. Yeah, I think he he would definitely uh, be very high up in the list of qualified candidates. But you're right in that you look at, at Jacksonville and they need somebody to come in and rescue Blake Bortles. And now he revealed that he was playing with a shoulder injury for much of this year which could account for some of his struggles. But, uh, you know, you've got the same situation uh, out in Los Angeles where they've, they've hitched their wagon to a young quarterback. You, the time may just not be right. It may not be the right opening out there uh, for Mike Smith right now. And if you're a Buck fan, you're kind of rooting for that because you want him back running that defense again. He did a great job with those guys uh, this year. I, I don't think he'll get this job, but I do have a destination that I think Mike Smith would win immediately in and would improve their team immediately, and that's Denver. Because while they, too, have a quarterback issue and probably should look for somebody who's better at developing a quarterback or drafting a quarterback, perhaps, with John Elway's help, someone who goes a lot in line with Elway since he's taken a very large role. But... If you take that defense with Von Miller and with the talent they have, and you hand it over to Mike Smith, who has done well with defenses that aren't nearly that loaded in the past, as good as Levante David and Gerald McCoy are, and Quan Alexander and the rest of the Bucks, they don't have the talent on defense Denver does. And if you got Mike Smith in there to work on that defense that's already had a lot of work done for it, they could be the best defense in the NFL all over again and try and win that way, which isn't always the easiest thing, but it might be a lot easier than finding a franchise quarterback. Everyone loves to say you can do that, but it's a lot easier said than done. I think you that job the- is Kyle Shanahan's if he wants it in Denver. Go ahead, Ira. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Jim, do you guys think that um, Mike Glennon, now look, I'm not talking about a $15 million contract, but, do you think Mike Glennon will will attract any interest on the free agent market and, and have a legitimate chance to be somebody's number one quarterback? I think you'd have to say yes. There, well, there, there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback, and and he's got the pedigree. I don't, you know, yeah, I would have to say he would. Be. He's better than Sam Bradford. Sam, could well, he? Uh, could he be a caretaker guy in, in Denver? Could he? I don't see why not. I I look at the 32 starting quarterbacks we saw for most of this season, and I have to imagine that Mike Glennon's better than at least eight of them. 
which means either he should be starting somewhere or at the very least he should come into training camp somewhere like a Denver with a shot to win the job. Now Denver does have Paxton Lynch who they drafted this last year. He wasn't ready yet, but they might still like him, but to put him in a competition with a Glennon, at least give Glennon a shot to win the job, at least give him a chance because he's a very good backup quarterback. He's been a pretty decent starter when he's been given the chance with some teams that had very little going for them as well. So I, I would say you have to give Mike Glennon a shot, if not to start, at least to win the job in a Denver or you know somewhere a lot less attractive to Mike Glennon like a Cleveland. Go ahead, Joe. Well, you were saying you, about to say something. Yeah, you, you got a, a couple of situations where Mike Glennon would be better than what they have now, and that would be with the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, either of those places, he would go there immediately and be an upgrade. And the Jets have been interested in him in the past. There was some chatter about them trying to trade for him last year. And uh, I thought the Bucks were smart to hold on to him because, you know, we see what happens um, when quarterbacks go down in this league. It's, it, it's kind of a, a catastrophe if you're not, uh, you know, for any team not named the New England Patriots. And the um, so so Glennon. If he's going to move on, he wants to move on to a place where he's going to come in, I think, as, as the guy. And, um, you know, he would, he would definitely benefit uh, by going to, to either the Jets or the Bills, or I'll even throw another name at you, the Cleveland Browns. Because, yeah, you know, RG3 thinks he's uh, resurrected his career there. But, you know, he is – one tackle away from a career-ending injury up there, and we know he's kind of that that that's been an issue for him. So Glennon's going to have options, and I would be shocked to see him back in Tampa next year. I think he's going to be uh, a starter in this league next year. Joe, one maybe, last... maybe even San Francisco. Joe, maybe even San Francisco. You, that's you know, a good maybe. thought. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the other thing, guys. Um, one quick note. Uh, I would think that Jacksonville would be wise to interview Sean McVay. Sean has done a really good job working with uh, Giant, with uh, Jay Gruden in Washington. He interviewed for the Rams job, and I think that he's, you know, albeit he would be very young, he would be uh, just what I think the Jacksonville would need to have handle their quarterback issues. You know, guys, one one name to watch in this uh, coaching search uh, is Sean Payton. Jim, uh, I think the time is right for Peyton to leave New Orleans. And if I'm one of these teams that needs to get a quarterback, uh, you know, situated and reliable, uh, Sean Peyton has proven uh, he's an excellent offensive mind, guys. And uh, Mm -hmm. I I think the time's right for for Peyton to make a move. I think he wants to leave. That all makes for some interesting – Conversation, which I know we'll have uh, in what the NFL version of the Hot Stove League is uh, <laughs> coming up in the not too distant future. Gentlemen, in uh, on Monday night at uh, Raymond James Stadium, they're going to play a college football game. And it turns out that it happens to be the same two teams that played in the championship game last year, the Alabama Crimson Tide and Dabo Sweeney and his wide-open Clemson Tigers. Are we going to have, see the kind of game we saw last year, a 45-40 game? Or what is uh, the sequel going to be like? Well, I think uh, watching Clemson utterly decimate Ohio State uh, tells me that that their defense is not going to give up 40-plus points in in this game. Now, Alabama's a wild card right now. We don't know. Uh, how it's going to go with Sarkeesian taking over for Lane Kiffin as uh, as the offensive play caller for this game. And really, who other than Nick Saban would make such a move a week before playing the national championship? But uh, you've got um, you've got a, a, a team in Clemson that has been a little erratic this year. Really, 
wouldn't have even been in the playoffs if North Carolina State had been able to convert a chip shot field goal at the end of regulation. That would have pinned a second loss on them and uh, would have opened up the door for somebody else. But what you ask is, how are they playing now? And as I've watched that game against Ohio State, uh, I've never seen an Urban Meyer offense tossed around uh, the way Clemson did the, that night. And and with Deshaun Watson, they're going to score points. They're, they're, they're going to put up some numbers, even against a defense as good as Alabama's. So I'm looking for a, a game that is a – not quite what we saw a year ago. I'm going to put it like in the uh, 27-24 type range. But I think Clemson might just take them. I really do. Any truth to the rumor that the, that the Heisman uh, Trophy uh, organization is looking to um, get their trophy back and give it to Deshaun Watson? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the folly of voting early. Yeah. You know, Jim, uh, who, who who the heck knows how to handicap this game? Because let's be honest, guys, uh, a week ago, if I told you that Clemson's defense would, would be the standout performer of the weekend, uh, you guys would laugh me uh, off the air. Uh, Clemson wasn't known for its defense. Nope. Um, you know, they had a couple of horrendous defensive games this year. Um uh, you might have thought they could beat Ohio State 24-21, but that's not how it happened. I'll say this. Uh, if Clemson doesn't lose this game, they'll win this game. And by that, I mean they're a little bit sloppy, guys. Right. They, they're a little sloppy on offense with, with turnovers, and Alabama feasts on that. If if Clemson doesn't, you know, ex, you know, major in giveaways Monday night. Tim, I, I think they'll be right in this game, but Alabama's defense is very opportunistic. Yeah, it's well, hard for me after last week to think that either of these teams will be giving up 40 or more points. That Certainly the way they're playing right now, that's hard to believe, as good as Clemson's offense can be. Certainly if Alabama can do that on a deep on a brand new offensive coordinator, since they had to dismiss Lane Kiffin for kind of having a family trade of checking out of his old job before he takes his new one. I, I think this is a great matchup for Alabama in that they've been called such a juggernaut all year and rightly so. And they've been such a huge favorite all year and talked about in some almost some historic terms. Well, if they're that good, this is the team they need to really show it against because this is a team that played them last year. They know a lot about Alabama. They're obviously playing their best football right now. They're prepared for this game. So this is going to be a real challenge for Alabama in a way that they haven't been challenged all year, which is exactly what we want to see in this championship game. It's really the first time that when they ask who you're taking in a game involving Alabama, you might have to think about it for a second, if only a second. Well, yeah, if only a second. But uh, I'm thinking about it for more than a second, to be honest with you, because uh, I'm looking I'm looking at a, a true freshman quarterback, Jalen Hurts, uh, against a freewheeling team like Clemson that just like, like we just discussed, destroyed Ohio state. And now you've got a new uh, play caller. That's an, that's an unknown. That's a variable. And you've also uh, let's, let's, let's hold on just a little bit before we, uh, we anoint Alabama as unbeatable. They were 0-0 going into the fourth quarter against LSU, won the game 10 to nothing, but that proved to me that their offense can be stopped. And if they score 10 points Monday night, they're going to lose because Clemson's going to put up some points, even against the defense as good as Alabama's. So um, I believe I'm not just like crawling out on a limb here and and picking Clemson to be, because you know I don't want to pick Alabama. Alabama's a great football team, but 
the Clemson kind of just has that look right now. And, um, you know, it's, that's a dangerous, dangerous football team there. And they are on a mission after losing as, 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 as tough a game as they lost last year. So uh, go against Clemson at your own risk. I think the key to the game, in my mind, is Bo Scarborough for Alabama. If Bo Scarborough, if they can, con- they got to keep Clemson off the field. <laughs> I mean, you, you, that's that's the only you know you can't you know they're not going to score if they don't have the ball. And uh, I think Alabama's got to sh- play a shortened game and play. You know, if the, the only way they win this game, in my mind, is if if Scarborough has a hell of a game. Well, the other thing that, that uh, Ira, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the, the Sarkeesian factor uh, to me says that they're going to try to run the ball all night long uh, against, cause that's what, that's what uh, Nick Saban likes to do. And he was, he, he, that was a source of friction with him and, and Lane Kiffin. It's like, especially in the Washington game, you could see it. Their offense was not clicking on all cylinders. And, and Kiffin's mind did appear to be in Boca Raton and trying to get it, uh, his, his program going there. So they're going to come out. Alabama's going to come out and just try to, to maul Clemson uh, with ball control and, you know, uh, short passing and just and like you say try to keep Clemson offense off the field if they can do that okay fine you uh, Alabama might win the game but uh, it's it's going to be really tough to to hold Clemson down when they do have the ball and eventually they're going to get it and you know they will uh, they're going to hurt you in a lot of different ways man that is that is one really explosive football team and I think they will break at least one big touchdown play against Alabama even against the defense that good let's talk uh Jim let's talk about Lane Kiffin for a minute uh you know uh in Tampa we're very familiar with with his dad Mm -hmm. uh one of the great um assistant coaches I I think in in modern NFL history um but the son is a train wreck, guys. And, uh, you know, are we too rough on on Lane Kiffin uh, in the media? Or, or does he deserve uh, everything he gets, Jim? Well, let me ask you guys a question, okay? He gets the head coaching job in Oakland. And he's, you know, what, 33, 34? Something yeah. like that? 32, I thought. Okay, I I just, I'm I'm throwing it out there. I can't remember the number. But but he was in his 30s, early 30s. Okay, so he's the youngest coach, head coach at that time in in the National Football League. So then he leaves there, doesn't have a, you know, things don't work out. He gets the head coaching job at the University of Tennessee. He doesn't even, they didn't get through one stanza of Rocky Top. And he is on his way to USC. There's a problem at USC, and he ends up at is the offensive coordinator in Alabama. Is it Lane Kiffin's fault, or is it the athletic directors at Tennessee, USC, which includes Pat Hayden, I believe, was the uh, is the athletic director at USC when they hired him. Um, you know. Are are all these guys, you know, are all of these athletic directors making the wrong thing, or are we blaming Kiffin for them buying into him? Well, the thing I always think is weird when people talk about Lane Kiffin is the amount to which he's discredited because he's a mercenary, as though football coaches in general aren't an ambitious lot who are always looking for a better job. Uh, he He took the jobs that were available to him. I don't know if... They were the greatest decisions. They sure or didn't look that way when, when he got to coaching the teams. I don't know how much of his move to Tennessee and his move to USC were driven by the fact that for both of those jobs, he had his father in tow with him. So Tennessee could hire Lane Kiffin and get a year where Eric Berry got to work with Monty Kiffin. 
or USC could help recruit some defensive players based on here's this guy with a Super Bowl ring. And by the way, he might have been an assistant coach, but let's make no mistake, he won that ring. So he was going, I, I think a lot of it was that. I think a lot of it's the ambition. Like I said, football coaches are always looking for a better job until they're in the NFL. Just ask Chip Kelly. And I don't see where that's necessarily Lane Kiffin's fault. I think he was promoted too fast. I think he fell into a lot of his own ego. And I think the one thing that's his fault, and it certainly brings up bad memories for Bucks fans, is he's not coaching this game on Monday. And let's face it, the reason he's not coaching this game on Monday is he's already looking forward to his next job, which that's a real problem that that shows that well if you're an incoming recruit do you really want to play for a guy that if someone bigger than FAU calls he's no longer paying attention to you that's well, what Coach Davis is doing uh, here's the here's the thing about what what Kiffin did and 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 what you said about looking ahead you know, his heart was in Boca when it should have been in Tuscaloosa. Um, there is precedent for a team going into the national championship game and with one of its coordinators already going somewhere else and we and, and the problems that that can cause. And I refer to uh, Florida State when Mark Richt had been the offensive coordinator there, got the job at Georgia. And FSU still had the BCS championship game to play in Miami against Oklahoma. And Rick uh, ran, you know, he, he, he kept trying to say during the whole month build up to the game. No, I, I, I'm constant. I'm, I'm, I'm with Tallahassee. I'm with FSU, but he wasn't, his head was in Athens, Georgia. FSU came out that uh, in, in the game against Oklahoma, a game that really they should have won. They were the better team, and their offense was horrible. I think they lost 13-2 to two or something like that. It, it, it was a, just a dreadful performance. And, you know, did that factor into Saban's decision to, to tell uh, Kiffin to take a hike um, after what he saw last week? Um, Let's be honest, that was a pretty uneven offensive show by Alabama last week. And I think Saban made what I think, it's a gutsy move. It's a bold move. It's a move that a lot of coaches wouldn't make. But this is Nick Saban we're talking about. And uh, he's the Bill Belichick of college football right now. And he, he saw, didn't like what he saw. And he said, get out of here, man. If you want to go coach Florida Atlantic, then have at it. And what we can say about Lane Kiffin is that I think he's going to bring more notoriety to Florida Atlantic than that school has ever had or may be prepared for. Uh, but to address the, the question that was made earlier, if you're a recruit at uh, Florida Atlantic and, and Lane Kiffin is, is there, I don't think he's going to be there very long, two years tops. And um, if he's successful, if he, if he can take a, downtrodden program and win you know 10 games with them then you know somebody else will give him a shot he's just he's one of those kind of guys but you he's you know what you get when you hire a Lane Kiffin and unfortunately for him uh, this kind of baggage is part of the package you know uh, Jim uh, the irony is overwhelming uh, Henderson and I lived through the 2008 Buccaneers, mm -hmm. who were 9-3 and three and tied for the division lead. And it, it turned out to be Gruden's final season because they lost their last four games. Mm -hmm. Had they won any of them, they would have made the playoffs and Gruden still would have been the coach. Mm -hmm. But what happened was, at 9-3, and Kip, Monty Kiffin announced that he would be departing at the end of the season, to join his son. Mm -hmm. the, de the defense proceeded to go out, a very good defense, and play terribly for most of that last month. The irony was Gruden's offense was pretty good that last month. 
And it started with a game in Charlotte on a Monday night where Antonio, you know, uh, uh, the 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 Bucks scored uh, you know 28 points and ended up losing by 14 because they couldn't stop uh, Carolina on the ground. And Gruden has never forgiven Monty Kiffin. Uh, it has caused a major rift. Um, and, and I don't even know if he's talking to Monty Kiffin at this point. He blames Monty Kiffin for that collapse because uh, Kiffin would go out out of a meeting where he's sleepwalking and then start calling up recruits to try to help his son. Um, so the sins of the father, Jim, have now uh, been revisited uh, with the son. Amazing. That's a it's a very wild situation, and I don't know. Uh, after two successful years at Florida Atlantic, I don't know, Ira. What do you think? Uh, you think Stephen Ross will hire him as the Dolphins head coach? <laughs> you know, Ross is capable of doing anything, Jim. You know, guys, the one thing yeah you know, we haven't mentioned about Kiffin. It was really one of the more bizarre press conferences I think we've seen. Uh, now, Al Davis doesn't hold a normal press conference anyway. But, yeah. that one, Joe, that one with, with Fire and Lane Kiffin, that, that was uh, – uh, we'll never see anything like that again. That was unbelievable. That, that was one for the ages. And and, and releasing the letter that, that right. you know, he, he sent to – oh, man. Uh, but you know what? If, uh, and I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but Al Davis only had himself to blame for that because, you know, Lane Kiffin was not ready to be a major college head coach at, at yeah. age 32, let alone an NFL coach, let alone working for one of the uh, more demanding owners in all of sports. I don't know what possessed Al Davis to, to turn over the keys to the Raiders to to a young up, upstart like uh, Lane Kiffin, and we'll never know now, but it, that would go down, I think, as the worst decision of, of Al Davis's career. And he made he made a few controversial ones, but uh, it's tough to top that one. That one was strange. Yeah, well, that was that was toward the end of of poor Al's. Uh you know, uh, tenure, and, and I'm not so sure that he was in his right mind when he did it. There in will fairness, be... Go the, ahead. The two best coaches Al Davis ever hired were, at the time, the youngest coaches in the league when he hired them, both John Madden and John Gruden. And it looks like uh, Del Rio's going to do a good job, too, Tim. It does. Yeah. John Gruden had also been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Lane oh, I'm, I'm not saying that was, was, college was, was on the yeah. same level as those two guys, but just in terms of line of thinking, well, he did hire young coaches in the past, and those were very successful, I'm sure. At the end, when things right. start to diminish, he just thinks, well, who's a young up-and-comer? That would be my guess. Well, we had to guess. That would be my guess. Yeah, well, all right. Well, all right. Uh, final thoughts, guys. Who wins the national championship game? Give us a score and give us a highlight and give us your social media. Uh, you can go ahead, Ari. All right, Twitter uh, at iKaufman76. Uh, I have learned not to bet against uh, Mr. Saban uh, in, in a big game. With all due respect to Clemson's uh, fantastic defensive showing. Uh, I don't think they can repeat that against Alabama. And um, I think a Clemson turnover will uh, swing the momentum in, in Alabama's favor. So I'm going to say 24-14 uh, uh, Alabama. Okay. Joseph. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Henderson. Tampa, T-A-M-P-A, and uh, I'm going to zig where I zagged. I'm going to say Clemson's going to win the football game, and Deshaun Watson is going to come up with some kind of impossible play in the clutch that will go down as uh, the, the best play of all time this week, and uh, that uh, Clemson will win the game 27 to 24. Okay. Tim? 
Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Tim Wrights Sports. And I would, I'd also think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. And my belief is if it's a low scoring game and a close game, it's going to come down to special teams. So I think your highlight's going to be a big kick return that sets up a scoring drive. And I think that that benefits the, the underdog. I think that benefits Clemson. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick the upset. Clemson 17, Alabama 14. It's going to be the uh, the kind of game that we don't really think happens anymore. Okay. Um I think um I think Clemson wins the game despite and I agree with Ira. I think there'll be a turnover and I think it'll be a touchdown for Alabama. I think that they win the game 24 to 17. Um, and despite a Deshaun Jackson pick, I think that uh, Alabama doesn't have the offense to to beat a Clemson team this year. And you can find me at Wordman Williams, DC. And um, that's this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Any last words, guys? I heard somebody wanted to talk. Go ahead. Once again, nobody agrees with me, Williams. Once again, once uh, again. You know, Ira. It's it, you are ahead of your time. Don't worry. You you're probably going to end up winning this, as most people. And those of you, you don't have to go back to last week's uh, uh, show. I will tell you so that you know. Everybody on this panel was so pro Florida and Florida State. We all knew that they were going to win. So you don't have to go back there and check it. Just trust me on this. We we were definitely for FSU. We were definitely for the Gators. And we were brilliant in that regard. So anything, that, we, anything that, we tell you is going to happen, you know, run if, you know, not that we suggest you go to a bookie or even have one, but, uh, you know, definitely book it because we know exactly what we're talking about. And certainly, Ira, if by you going against you, us, you, you almost locked you can, yourself. Uh, Jimbo, you can file that one under fake news <laughs> because we were all so wrong. I said you'd have to go back and listen to it. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you got to get in the game to be in the game or something. Yeah, yeah, about that whole thing of Iowa beating Florida. um, Uh, Hey, I got to go. I'm I'm done. (laughs) All right. Go ahead. Clearly, we have too much fun here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. Well, we got to go. And we want to thank, of course, Tim Williams for joining us from Boston, as well as the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. Until next time, I'm Jim Williams, your host on the Sunshine Boys podcast. Have a great week and enjoy the playoffs and the championship game. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.